baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. KMOX, we've got a lot happening on the show today that we want to hear from you on 314-436-7900. That is the number to uh, to call and to text us. Uh, of course, you can text us whenever you want. You can call whenever you want. You might be on hold for a little bit. Um, also, leave us a voicemail at 314-944-1120. Uh, this is, I guess we're about, I don't know, 18 hours or so ago, we learned of a, not a ceasefire, but a pause in military action by Israel as an agreed-upon number of 50 Israeli hostages are going to be released. To discuss that with us from Jerusalem, Linda Gradstein, a CBS contributor and reporter, Bureau Chief for the Media Line News Agency, uh, joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line this morning. Linda, we appreciate your time today. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for asking me. So we understand that it's going to be 50. Is this a exact 50? Do we have a list right now? What more do we know about these hostages? Well, what we know is that it's um, women and children. Uh, there are a total of uh, 50 women and children who Israel says were kidnapped by Hamas. Hamas says it has it's holding 40 of them, and then another 10 are being held by other groups like Islamic Jihad. So the release will be 40 children that Hamas has, uh, the, the mothers of some of those children, and additional 12 women. So all the releases will be women and children. It'll be divided up. So as the ceasefire is four days long, each day a quarter of these cities. Uh, the details we have so far is that they will be given to the Red Cross. The Red Cross will then transfer them uh, to Israeli soldiers who will bring them to Israel. They will be taken to isolated medical facilities where they will reunite with their families, have medical checks, and if they're up to it, and it's, you know, obviously above a certain age, they will be. At the same time, Israel's also going to free 150 Palestinian uh, minors and women who have been in Israeli jails. None of them uh, have been convicted of murdering Israelis. And there is a possibility that the ceasefire could be ended by... Uh, Linda Gradstein is it, Linda. Linda, we're ha- we're having difficulty with a connection here, so we're going to try and reestablish a connection with you. Um, so we'll we'll call you back in in just a second. See if we can. Uh, so Pat, if you wouldn't mind giving Linda a call, I'm going to call her again so that we can uh, reestablish a better connection there. But um, obviously, when things are going on halfway across the world, sometimes the connection isn't very good. So we'll we'll talk to Linda here in, in just a moment. But mm-hmm. uh, again, a ceasefire. Again, don't want to call it a ceasefire. I should to pause. change that. Yeah, it yeah. is a pause in fighting because Israel is not going to stop uh, what it's doing. Four days. This mm-hmm. is supposed to go on two in the morning central time is when that is supposed to begin. And the Israeli prime minister's office did release a partial list of some of the hostages they expect to be returned. And I think just what 
What just strikes me are their ages and that many of these children, we're talking three years old, four years old, six years old, 13 years old, um, no longer have parents. There are some mothers who are being released. Some parents have been killed. The fathers are either killed or still hostage. Uh, but looking at this list of very young children, I, I can't imagine how heartbreaking this is. Linda rejoins us from Jerusalem. We we thank you again for uh, for bearing with us. We just wanted to establish a better connection uh, there, Linda. So sure. So we're we're looking at at, at the fifty you which you have uh, discussed two in the morning our time. So central time here. This is supposed to supposed to begin. So what what happens next? What happens between now and then? Well, uh, you know, I think what happens between now and then is everybody kind of making the final preparations and making sure this goes through. Um, Israel, by the way, says this is just a temporary pause and that when the ceasefire ends, it will go back to fighting. Uh, there is concern in Israel that there will be a lot of pressure not to renew the fighting. Uh, but Israeli officials have already said it's just a question of, of when, not if we're going to renew the fighting. So I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, emotions on all sides, the families of the hostages. Uh, there has been no list released uh, as far as I know. So I'm sure the families are incredibly nervous and hopeful and, you know, hoping that their loved ones will be on that list. I know in the forefront of many Israelis' minds has to be the Israeli former IDF soldier Galad Shalit, who was held captive by Hamas for five years and four months. He was eventually released, but only after uh, over 1,000 uh, terrorists were returned uh, back to Hamas. Is that, t- tell me how does that, is that related to the way people are feeling right now regarding this hostage situation? Is it similar? Is it different? Well, first of all, um, one important sort of fact is that one of those released is the current head of Hamas in Gaza, Yassin Sinwar. Um, so there are certainly some people saying, you know, uh, Israel releases terrorists and then they come back and, you know, and are involved in things. At least in this first release of 150 that Israel is doing, it is women and uh, minors under the age of 19, none of whom have committed murder. And so I think that on one hand, it's in people's minds. On the other hand, uh, you're talking about freedom for women and children. And so I think there is a lot of support in Israel uh, to get these women and children out of Gaza. It's hard to even imagine uh, what they went through. There was a video released a couple of weeks ago of a 12-year-old boy who has a severe peanut allergy. And, you know, before his capture, he was a normal, healthy boy. And in the video, you could see that he had gotten very thin. His eyes were sunken. And, you know, one some people have speculated that because of his allergy, he was afraid to eat anything. Um, so I think it's hard to understand. There's a three-and-a-half-year-old girl who was kidnapped by herself. Um, her parents were killed by Hamas and her siblings. Now, somebody has been taking care of her. If that caretaker is not being released with her, that's going to be very traumatic for her. There are families that the mother and children will be released and the father will remain behind in captivity. I have a friend whose son, Hirsch uh, Goldberg, in fact, she, uh, the mom, Rachel, was at the Vatican. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Today, meeting with the Pope, Hirsch is 23. He was severely injured in the uh, attack by Hamas. Uh, He will not be released tomorrow. And, you know, she told me that all she thinks about is, did he get the medical care that he needed? Is he alive? Is he not alive? And just living with that uncertainty must be absolutely heartbreaking. It's excruciating. It has to be. I know psychological warfare. I mean, that's so much of this from Hamas is is in addition to all of the actual brutality. Linda Gradstein, CBS contributor and reporter, bureau chief for the Media Line News Agency. One of the concerns uh, we mentioned the the potential release of uh, terrorists back into the wild so that they can, you know, do it again. That is one of the concerns. One of the other concerns is that during this period where there's no military action, Hamas can sort of regroup and reset. How realistic is that, that they can, I don't know, get their act together over the next couple of days while this exchange is happening? So that's very much a question. Look, the truth is, is that while the fighting has been intense in some places, and I think it's uh, 68 Israeli soldiers have died in the fighting. The Hamas uh, resistance in northern Gaza, which is where most of the fighting has been, has been less intense than Israel had expected. Uh, They expected, you know, large-scale attacks on Israeli soldiers, uh, you know, Hamas coming out of tunnels and and attacking the forces, and uh, there's certainly been fighting. So one thing is the fuel. In order to continue to maintain their their tunnels and their life underground, which is where Israel believes most of the thousands of Hamas uh, fighters still are, uh, they need a lot of fuel. And that was why Israel at the beginning said it would not let any fuel into Gaza. And now, along with the humanitarian aid, large amounts of fuel will be coming in. But Israel is also going to inspect everything. So the idea that Hamas will be able to smuggle in rockets and other, you know, sophisticated weapon systems does not seem very likely. They will be able to get fuel, however. Yeah, and that is all of those tunnels underground that Israel has known about and the world at large has known about these terror tunnels is the extent of those tunnels still being discovered and documented by the IDF even as we speak yes um, and and the truth is is that you know Israel believes Israel has attacked hundreds of the tunnel shafts and they have some new weapons the special foam that they can like put in to seal the tunnels um, but they still haven't gotten to hundreds of tunnels in southern Gaza so um, I, I spoke earlier to a former head of national Sec- of the National Security Council. He said that he believes that it would take another week or so for Israel to completely establish control over northern Gaza, and then we'll have to start its offense in southern Gaza. And that, of course, is going to be very complicated because 
almost all of Gaza's 2.3 million people are now concentrated in southern Gaza after Israel told them to flee northern Gaza and opened a humanitarian corridor. So, and Gaza is a very small, very poor area. Uh, It's going to be very hard uh, to avoid civilian casualties. Well, and and speaking of or continuing the conversation about the tunnels and just how complex that operation must be, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I saw a, a New York Times graph that was it depicted the tunnels, and some of these tunnels are as deep, if not deeper, than 65 feet deep, which is uh, very far underground. And that also we think some of the hostages might be in those tunnels. Yes, and that's what makes sort of. Uh, you know, the whole issue of uh, airstrikes even more complicated. Now, Hamas says that at least 60 of the hostages were killed by Israeli airstrikes. Israel says that that's psychological warfare. In fact, uh, just a, this week, uh, the Israeli army spokesman said there was one case of a 19-year-old female Israeli soldier named Noah Marciano, and Hamas said that she was being, that she was killed by an airstrike, and Israel said that while she was injured in an airstrike, she was being held near the Shifa hospital. It has conclusive proof that she was actually killed in the hospital by Hamas. Um, so there, you know, there's a lot of psychological warfare on on both sides of this. But um, you know, it definitely, I think, and the families of the hostages are concerned that if Israel, you know, if the bombing intensifies, uh, then Hamas could also kill the hostages as a, as part of this psychological warfare. You are coming to us from uh, Jerusalem, Linda, and from some of the polling that we have seen, the people of Israel aren't necessarily happy with the job that Benjamin Netanyahu has been doing, and and is doing. From your perspective, it, does that sound about right? Are, are people there unhappy with him? Yes, they're unhappy with him on, on several levels. I mean, first of all, the, um, the fact that hundreds, thousands of Hamas gunmen could breach the border between Israel and Gaza could go into these communities along the Gaza border, take over more than 20 of these communities. And according to uh, at least some of the things that I've seen, they intended to go all the way into even deeper into Israel. I mean, it's a huge intelligence failure. There were uh, girl soldiers who were called Tetzbitaniot, observers who used technology, and they reported to their superiors that Hamas was planning something, and and their warnings were completely ignored. So that's one thing. Secondly, Netanyahu has barely met with the hostages' families, uh, has really not been willing to, to, uh, you know, give them information. And thirdly, there's been a huge, you know, there's been an evacuation of 200,000 Israelis who live in communities near the Gaza border, near the Lebanon border, and they were taken to uh, guest houses and to hotels and things like that. And there's been a massive outpouring of Israeli volunteerism and setting up programs and schools and nursery schools for the kids. The government hasn't done any of that. That's all been by, you know, local Israelis, many of whom even before this started were protesting Netanyahu's plans for a judicial overhaul that would have weakened the power of the Supreme Court. So, I mean, I find it hard to see how he will be able to survive this. At the same time, there is what some people are saying is that you don't switch governments in the middle of a war. 
Linda Gradstein, we really do appreciate you taking time to talk with us today and all of the great information. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Linda Gradstein, CBS contributor and reporter, joining us from Jerusalem. That uh, is the Chris and Amy show. When we come back, did you see this on KMOX? Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.